0: Each week, Abolition Radio sheds light on the darkness of modern slavery, celebrates the work of abolitionists who are fighting for freedom, and equips the church to engage in the work of justice with hope rooted in God's Word. Our goal is to see a radio audience become an army of gospel activists. You're
1: in the neighborhoods we live in. You're in the ones we're passing by. You're in the ones we call our neighbors. And the ones who
2: still escape. Our
0: now here's the host of Abolition Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell.
2: Thanks, Dave, and welcome to another segment of Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. I'm Benita Hopkins, co-host of Abolition Radio, and we have my partner in justice, Vanessa Russell online.
3: Hi, hi, how are you? Great to meet you. Savannah, <laughs> I know you're going to introduce her here in just a moment, but we're so excited to have you on the show. Oh, me too.
2: Yes, we have as our guest today, a Savannah Sanders, who is a leader in her community and around the country, speaker, author, and welcome, Savannah. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be talking to you guys today. We are so excited to have you. Savannah Sanders is a founding board member of Well Founded Hope, which is an Arizona nonprofit helping to restore the life of traumatized young women who have been sex trafficked. And she's an active member of a large network of human trafficking survivor advocates. She shares her compelling story of a Abuse and recovery as a source of inspiration and motivation for audiences, like I mentioned, across the United States. She's currently being piped in with us today all the way in Maine, but she provides testimony on, um, she has provided testimony on um, Emmy-nominated television news segments and uh, documentaries on sex trafficking and at local events in her home state of Arizona. She has also authored a book, Sex Trafficking Prevention, a Trauma Informed Approach for Parents and Professionals. Once again, welcome, Savannah. Thank you. We're so glad to have you. So, so glad to have you. And recently, um, you provided a train the trainer in uh, the South Bay for uh, paraprofessionals and advocates, correct? Yes, yes. And we first yes. met at um, last fall back at the San Francisco Collaborative Against Human Trafficking's um, annual conference, and you were one of the speakers there.
3: Yes. Yes,
2: yes. Um, so tell us where I, I know that answer, so I want to ask that question, <laughs> but what inspires you? to share with parents particularly and paraprofessionals about talking with children about demand, about um, awareness of trafficking and things in that space.
3: So one of the things that's been really important to me, um, you know, after surviving, surviving trafficking, um, parenting has been one of the most important, Most important aspects of my healing process and keeping my own kids, kids safe. And there was a lot of time during my life that I parented a lot out of fear because I was so terrified that something bad would happen to my kids and which is a normal and healthy you know, parental response, right? But I also parented out of fear instead of parenting out of education. So I kept my kids safe and I kept them away from everything. Um, but I was actually doing a lot more harm than good by doing that with them. So I have since started to um, parent out of education after going through my own healing process. Mm-hmm. And I'm a strong advocate and believer that. Trauma is one of the leading causes of all of the ills that we really fight against in our world, mm-hmm. and including trafficking and the demand side of trafficking, and even traffickers experience trauma as children mm-hmm. causing them to become traffickers right and so I really want to address it from a you know trauma informed approach to be able to create healthy families so that later we're not fighting against so much social justice issues
2: right. And you have become a social worker as well, correct? Yes. So I'm sure in your line of work, that has been also been an influence um, to help with the trauma-informed lens, correct?
3: Yes. So I have my bachelor's in social work with a minor in women and gender studies. And my book actually talks a lot about My own story, but from a social work lens. So I use a lot of social work theories and practices to address childhood trauma. Um, I talk about those theories in my book, but I do it in a way that is, um, you know, that everybody can read who are not social workers, who don't want to learn about social work theories, but are applicable practices in real life.
2: Some hands-on, tangible ways to make it, um, like you said, applicable to any and all, correct?
3: Yeah, I really wanted people who were, you know, 13, 14 years old to be able to
2: read it. And you have that uh, your own children in that age bracket, too.
3: Yes, I have a 8-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, and an 18-year-old, and then Um, In a few weeks, we will be getting two foster babies who are one and six.
2: Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm super excited. That's great. (laughs) That is great. So how did um, coming about with the toolkit, you tell us about, tell our listening audience about your toolkit that you have?
3: Yeah, so the South Bay Coalition to End Human Trafficking and Whom we are members of
4: Yes.
3: <laughs> um and community solutions and I work together to create this toolkit. Um demand is something that a lot demand refers specifically to um in this case, the buyers who um perpetuate trafficking by buying. Mm-hmm. Um the idea is that if there was no demand, there would be no victims.
4: Right.
3: And so, we um, there's been a lot of talk over the years about demand reduction, which re- revolves around increasing penalties and creating, you know, structural change to make um, make buying less accessible, and then also make buyers aware of the harm that they're causing to the community. Right. So there's a lot of different ways that demand reduction has happened. So right. this toolkit is actually focused on demand prevention. So looking at demand before it ever starts right. by addressing healthy masculinity, helping parents to address um, young children being exposed to pornography and childhood trauma, which all three of those can can definitely feed into people being buyers as when they're older. For sure. And not that everybody that's exposed to pornography becomes a buyer or that everybody who doesn't grow up with healthy masculinity <laughs> or role models becomes a buyer, but the three of those are three major contributors to why somebody might buy. And so we wanted to address that at the root to stop it from ever happening when they get older.
2: That is great. That is great. Um, prevention, we've, we always say prevention is key and has been um, a, a major pillar of our organization, Love Never Fails, with um, prevention awareness and um, as it leads to trafficking. And now um, with our collaboration on the PROTECT team, uh, prevention organized to educate children on trafficking. It is so key to um help that is a way of bringing down that demand bringing down um the vulnerability of creating more victims of the crime as well that prevention
3: right exactly and you know and by addressing these three things too we're just we're we're actually addressing the other factors of trafficking as well we're mm-hmm. Addressing the victimization and the bites and the traffickers, right, um, and other things that we, you know, bullying and right, all sorts of different social justice issues that we work on, right, um, by creating healthy fami- families with healthy masculinity and helping parents address issues. And not, you know, I always hear from parents that I, you know, I didn't think I had to talk to my kid about porn or. I didn't think I needed to talk about that at this age yet, Um, but so often one of the reasons is is because we're afraid that by talking to them about it, we're exposing them to it, but actually it's it's quite the opposite. Um, By talking to them and educating them, we're teaching them how to navigate the world versus um, keep them sheltered from the world.
2: Or rather having the world navigate them. Right? Exactly. Or
3: yes, exactly.
2: Yeah. Well, um, throughout this um edition of Abolition Radio, we are gonna talk about what is demand and how um uh, we can teach two to seven year olds boundaries and talk about um, prevention or awareness of abuse with other children and how communication really is the key through it all, as well as um, talking with our children about pornography as a prevention tool. And we will come right back with Savannah and Vanessa after this short break. And you're listening to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We'll be right back.
0: We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking.
2: And welcome back to another segment of Abolition Radio. And we have on the line today Savannah Sanders, who um, has been educating us and talking about um, demand and talking about children, talking with children about um, trafficking and trafficking prevention and the demand for trafficking. So you alluded to earlier, Savannah, and I want to go back to that point. What is demand?
3: So demand is really the, um, well, demand can refer to a lot of things, but mm-hmm. specifically around trafficking, demand refers to the um, buyers, um, who are sometimes called John's who buy sex with um, adults and children and they are the driving force behind why trafficking exists because if there was no demand there would be no victims and they are often um, they come from all sorts of different backgrounds they come from all sorts of different education backgrounds and careers and all sorts of different things. And, um, and some are violent, some are not. There's just a whole lot of different aspects of, of demand that feed in it.
2: And they can also be from different cultures and demographics too, correct?
3: Yes, absolutely.
2: Yes. So in your work, um, it says, you know, you're a founding board member of the Well-Founded Hope um, in Arizona, tell us about Well Founded Hope and your work there.
3: Yes. Yeah, so Well Founded Hope is a nonprofit that was founded in Arizona to support victims of sex trafficking through um, connecting them with services and um, helping kind of fill the gaps and needs in, in different
2: areas. Okay. All right. So similar to, to Love Never Fails and many of our other partners here in the mm-hmm. Bay Area. Okay. Gotcha. So, how do you, in you, you have this toolkit uh, for parents, tips to talk to your children about demand as it pertains to human trafficking. And, um, how do you say approach that? We're saying communication is key. Yes, this we know. But mm-hmm. this is a very difficult topic to talk with children about. Um,
3: it is, it is. Um, and demand is definitely not something that you're going to start talking to your two and seven-year-old kids about. Right. Um, we're not going to go into the economics of human trafficking and how it exists in the world. Right. That's not going to be something that's age-appropriate for them. But what it really is, is about starting foundational conversations for, you know, ages two to seven. Start talking about um, boundaries mm-hmm. and and body parts and using real names for body parts and Mm -hmm. teaching kids about their bodies and boundaries and having conversations early on that build the foundation. So as they get older, you can talk more in depth about demand.
2: Great. Great. You know, um, something you said that maybe, Oh, I know I was thinking you in your presentations, um, whenever in what three times now, I've heard you speak, you always use examples of your own children and how you have um, uh, approached the approach, the subject matter with them, or they have advocated on behalf of others or themselves. And Mm -hmm. I think that is very um, telling and very um, key to, and proof that it can be done that um, children young children, you know, age appropriately can in their own voice advocate for themselves. And that has been remarkable, what you have done there in that regard.
3: Yeah, and I think one of the things that's really important to understand about these conversations are these are part of our daily life conversations. Mm-hmm. That's not something like on Tuesday of the fourth <laughs> month of the year, right, we're going to right. sit down and have a talk about Body parts like right. these are just ongoing conversations that we have on a daily basis, and so helping my kids be educated and um, aware of their own bodies and body safety, they have really been able to advocate for their own for their own safety.
2: That is that is really cool. So, by you mentioned that pornography is a major contributor to demand, right?
3: Mm hmm.
2: Would you, say, yes. would you say that um, technology has a lot to do with that?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, kids have game pads at their fingertips all the time now, and I think that's a huge contributor to access to pornography, and parents just don't realize that children as young as four and five could be exposed.
2: Mm-hmm. And as a social worker, um, what type of effects on a child's brain Can that be?
3: So I think what a lot of people don't realize is that trafficking um, actually, or trafficking, I'm so sorry, uh, pornography Mm -hmm. um, has very similar effects on the brain as sexual abuse. Children's brains aren't ready to process um, sexual activities in that way. And so it causes very um, harmful effects on the brain. one of my children was exposed to pornography at the age of five and told me months later, I still
2: can't get that out of my head. Mm-hmm. That is very popular in psychological settings, in um, sociological settings, the effects of something like that on the brain. So there's lots of research out there that you could take a look at and and research for yourselves. But, um it can have very negative effects on um, brain development. Pornography can, and um, in children.
3: And kids younger and younger are becoming addicted to pornography, Mm. um, both boys and girls. And I think a lot of times when we talk about pornography, we talk about it as a boys issue, but pornography affects young boys and girls, um, and they're becoming addicted earlier and earlier. Um, A lot of times, And the average age of first exposure for pornography is 11 years old. And that means that's the average age, so it goes even much younger Mm -hmm. than that. And those exposures could be unintentional. So another thing we think of is that they're intentionally seeking it out. Mm -hmm. Well, at five, six years old, you click on the wrong link, and you're exposed to all sorts of images Mm -hmm. and videos Mm -hmm. and violence. So it's really important to... But it's not just about monitoring your children online, right? right right It's teaching them how to react and respond and letting them know that those pictures and videos exist and how to respond if they see
2: them. right and how to talk to an adult about that, right if- Yes,
3: and i the way I do it with my own children is we often talk about sexual abuse, and you know if anybody ever sees your penis or vagina you'd come and tell mommy right away or if anybody ever tries to show you that you know you come and tell mommy right away Um, and you you know if that happens you've done nothing wrong it's okay we don't keep secrets so I use the same kind of philosophy around pornography like there's pictures um, of you know people's body parts Mm -hmm. and all sorts of different things online there's a big difference between what you should be seeing online and what you shouldn't be seeing. And so if you see those body parts on online or in pictures Mm -hmm. or somebody tries to show you them, you tell an adult right away. So we basically use the same language, but just including pornography in that conversation.
2: Right. Well, when we come right back, we are going to, I know that you have made this toolkit And I want us to talk about that a little bit more when we come back, because in order to do that, you had some focus groups. So um, I want to talk a little bit about the focus groups that were, um, were used there in the South Bay. When we come right back with another segment of Abolition Radio.
0: We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking.
2: And we're back with Abolition Radio and Savannah Sanders talking about um, effectively talking with our children about subject matters like sex trafficking and, and demand for sex trafficking. And we were when we left off of our last last segment, we were mentioning about um, age appropriate boundary boundaries and um conversations in that regard and um we were also mentioning about the development brain development of a child and how um pornography for instance how that can affect a child um seeing pornography or witnessing it or um how that can really affect them uh psychologically and socially emotionally and so many various ways you mentioned um Savannah, um, how the, you with your children have always practiced, uh, the correct names and uses of body parts, right? And yes, wh- absolutely. And why is that?
3: Um, so one, um, if something were ever to happen, um, it would like, if some type of abuse ever happened, um, if a child uses pet names mm-hmm. for their body parts and their private parts, they're going to—it um, needs to be specific in order for that type of investigation. The other really important piece, and the most important piece, is because by calling, um, calling parts by pet names and, like, making them different than— other body parts, we're creating shame and stigma Mm -hmm. around their body parts. And we don't want to do that. We want to celebrate our bodies and celebrate who we are. And, um, you know, when I'm washing, when they were little and they would be washing themselves in the tub, we would talk about how important all of our body parts are Mm -hmm. and um, why it's so important to keep all of our body parts clean and that we're, you know, that our bodies are beautiful and all of those things um, because we're trying to create body positivity and l- not create shame around those things. Um, other ways that we are able to do that too though is through boundaries for example, and I know this comes up in many many families where family members want to hug or kiss a child and they use things like manipulation or oh, you're making grandma so sad because you won't give her a hug. And then parents feel obligated to force the child to give grandma a hug. Um, But those are teaching crossing boundaries. And when it starts at home, um, then we're, you know, we're walking that line of having kids not think that they have control over their body or their
2: own actions. Very, very, very good point. Very good point. So as we start these things early and, you know, two to seven, that two to seven-year-old becomes the eight-year-old and over, right? Then, yeah. Then we can open up discussions um, as it lends to that, talking about abuse and abuse prevention, correct? Yeah.
3: And these ages are always guidelines, you know? They're right. They're not set in stone.
2: Correct. Every child my,
3: is different. Every child is different, and you as a parent know your child and their understanding. So, all of my kids have had different talks at different ages, but um, it was really about setting that foundation as they were younger. So, then when they were getting older, we could talk more in depth about what actually sexual abuse is and what physical violence is and um, talk more about the effects of that on our society and in our families and teach them very much that sometimes that in school and on TV, it looks like people that might hurt us won't, don't live with us or aren't in our family, mm-hmm. but most of the people that abuse are know their victims over 90%. Right. And so teaching kids stranger danger and to stay away from um, the mall It's important information because kids need to know that, too, but we always fail to give the information about our own families or neighbors Mm -hmm. or coaches or people that we love um, being the ones that hurt us. And when we do that, we're not protecting our kids.
2: And that, the incorporating all, is setting the boundaries for healthy relationships, right? Exactly. And that love doesn't hurt. Right.
3: Exactly. But that some and we start those conversations early. Like, yes, we love this. this, You know, we love people, but sometimes people we love hurt us. And that does not mean that they that that love is, you know, that's not love when people are hurting us. Right. So being able to start those healthy relationship conversations by talking about family members and friends and neighbors.
2: Right. Right. You know are people there may be people in our listening audience who have had these questions, you know, how do I talk to my child? you know about healthy setting healthy boundaries and um healthy relationships and these today's program these are are tangible ways that writing your own family, you know you don't have to start shouting from the mountaintop, but writing your own family from um your child, a young child on. You can be developing them to be aware, so that when they are older, not only are they not vulnerable to trafficking, but they are not vulnerable to become the perpetrator of the crime either you know exactly so as the children get older, um they will be able to talk about uh not trafficking people and um not demanding um Graphic images and or or the demand side of mm-hmm. uh, of buying sex from people um right because human beings aren't items right they exactly things you purchase at a store
3: exactly, and that's what you know uh, that's what I talk to my kids now, who are eight, ten, and twelve mm-hmm. about um you know. Human beings are not commodities right right, in any way, shape or the, for for the eyes
2: or for money, right, exactly, and you know many wonder, you know where does this all come from, but it needs to start at home, and that the education at home will carry over and should carry over because that is the mentality of some people that people are items that you purchase. Like you purchase a a piece of candy at the store, and that that shouldn't be, but turning the um moving on to another topic I know in your preparation um for your toolkit, like I said earlier, to be um introduced, and it was just introduced recently, and we we're so excited about that in uh at a school in San Jose in a community there, and it was the parents in that community who said we can't take it anymore we see what is happening around our children our school is in the middle of elementary school in the middle of this type of activity and we want to take action and um this came out of that so what i know you had focus groups to kind of help uh being what that community needed were the focus groups male and female? Um, were they young and old? Tell us a little pre- what you can about the It was the focus
3: predominantly groups. women um, and with males as well. Um, they were older with children, not old, you know. Right. They had, uh, they had children. Okay. Um, and I think the thing that was so important is we often in our society and in this trafficking movement specifically talk about how it's really hard to get this information to the schools it's really hard to get parents and and teachers and different community members engaged in the process mm-hmm. um, but I think the number one thing and I can't share too much about it yet because right. it's not published but right the number one thing for me that came out of the focus group was just how amazingly hungry these parents were for
2: this information. Yes. Yes. And, and I agree. I, I definitely agree. And it's great to see that. And there are other communities of people with hungry parents who Mm -hmm. may not necessarily know how to just be fed up and want action, but, um, we are here to tell you: rise up and take action. And we are there for you to help you get those tools and and um, the education that you need to help save your children. That's what we at Love Never Fails is all about: um, getting that awareness, that prevention, that education, that help that you need to start your healing, to start your restoration going. And um, we'll continue to talk about that when we come right back. This is Abolition Radio.
0: We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking.
2: Welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. And we've been talking with Savannah Sanders and all that she's doing to help our children be safe and aware of their surroundings. And um, she's doing some great, uh, she's a great survivor leader in this fight against trafficking. So Savannah, I want to ask you um, what has been, we've talked about your family and how you, you always share stories about your children and how you've taught them and what they're teaching you. Um, is there a story that you could share with us?
3: Yeah. So, as a you know, as a survivor of trafficking and child sexual abuse and physical abuse, you know, I went through a lot of lot of trauma as a child. And so, one of my biggest fears, and I think all parents' biggest fears is their children experiencing abuse and sexual abuse is definitely up there on the list um, because it's so hidden and out of sight. So when I talk about pornography and healthy boundaries and all of those things that I talk about, it's really to set my set the foundation for my kids to be successful, but not to only advocate for themselves, but to advocate for others. Mm -hmm. And You know, I do all of these talks and my kids get really annoyed with me all the time. Every time they're going to a sleepover and I start out with, so they all huff and they're like, oh gosh, here we go again, you know? (laughs) And um, so they are, you know, they get annoyed by that, those conversations. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that's really important for me is to be able to um, teach them to advocate. And so one time I reluctantly let them go stay the night at a at a family member's mm-hmm. um house and you know we had set some ground rules beforehand like I didn't want a bunch of people over there that they didn't know I I was just worried about them not being able to recognize safe or unsafe situations mm-hmm. you know the family member they were staying with and it was all agreed upon and they went over and some kids came over Um, and the person took a nap. And during that time that they were taking a nap, one of the kids took one of my children into the room, shut and locked the door and started to, um, turn on the computer to show them party Mm. and wanted to quote, teach them how to have sex. Um, but because the door shut and locked, my other children are super aware that we don't close doors and we don't keep secrets and we're an open and authentic family. And when they saw that door close, um, my twelve my now twelve year old, she basically busted through the door, um, so that nothing did happen. Wonder it, Woman. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That kid came out with her fist in the air, I swear. Um, (laughs) And she noticed that the door was shut and was able to intervene. And that's when I knew that all of my annoying talks and all of (laughs) the things that the kids get irritated with was actually effective. And it was incredibly validating and, of course, scary and something horrific could have happened. Right. with that education, my kids were able to effectively...
2: Advocate for effectively,
3: each other. Advo- advocate for each other. Yeah. Despite all their fighting in the background.
2: <laughs> right, <time. laughs> right. But isn't that, you know, that is the joy of being a parent, knowing and, and we don't always get those opportunities, but when we get the opportunity to see that something we've said or something we've done um, with our children has made an impact on them, that it comes back around that we get to see them using the tool that we've that we've used with them, right? Exactly. So, we're grateful that that um that your daughter came bursting through the door to save her little brother. That's a precious story. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So, so um so it's it's really been um You know that's validating, and then just really seeing my kids advocate for others around them too. Mm -hmm. Uh, One time, my older daughter brought home uh, a friend to stay the night because she suspected she was being abused, and she wanted Mm -hmm. me to be able to talk to her. Um, They've advocated when they've seen, um, you know, racism and homophobia. Mm -hmm. They've stood up for people and. Really advocated for them, and um, so it's 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 truly beautiful to see this generation growing up to to be able to um, stand up for what's right at such young ages.
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: You know, I appreciate the fact um, I of getting the opportunity to meet your daughter now eighteen, who um, now has just recently graduated and is getting ready to go off to college and has um, is doing great things there you know at her uh, in her field of justice she's all about justice already you know has been for a long period of time and now has been um, really rewarded for the type of person person she is and is going to go on to do great things i'm excited to to hear what the future holds for her
3: yeah we're we're super excited Um, I just can't wait to see what, I mean, I know my kids are all going to blow all of my successes out of the water and I just can't, I can't, can't wait to see them thriving and out there being the world changers that they want
2: to be. And seeing what lies ahead for them. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, as we close out today, I want our listening audience to, um, if nothing else to keep in mind, um, some of the things that you've said, how conversations about um, these issues with our children should happen often and ongoing. Um, that is how you train a child in the way that he should go, right? In this particular exactly. case, we are trying to um, train them, educate them for safety's sake. The world looks a lot different now than, say, when I was a little girl. When my children, who are now in their late 20s, early 30s, when they were little, it's real out there, you know, and primarily, I know a lot of that has to do with the onset of the World Wide Web. It has made a big difference in our society, and for the good, and sometimes for the bad. So it's really um, important to not use fear tactics, right? Right. Right. And, but it is okay to be um, scared or afraid for your children and helping them um, be safe. And that's part of being a parent. You know, rule number one of being a parent is the safety of your child. And not just physically, but emotionally, psychologically, and in, in every way. Educating, loving, and empowering them to be their best selves like you mentioned. Um and that's more effective than scaring them. And remembering to try to um create an environment around them that where they could come to um you the parent or the guardian or um a a positive uh safe adult to share things with.
3: Yeah. And I think that's the key: is the positive, safe adult, right? Um, because not always is it exactly. is it the people that they love. So we always try to um, we know that one person can have a huge impact on a child, um, and having one safe adult creates so much resiliency in them. And um, so the more adults they have in their life the more resilient they are to all of the things that we're talking about
2: exactly exactly and that resiliency is key that's that's a new word for me in the past few months um resilient and resiliency it's it's really important it keeps keeps coming up keeps coming up well we're going to be right back and we're going to let you know how you can um touch base with savannah and maybe um pick up a copy of her book or come hear her speak or have her come speak and train your um, your church or your community group, your, um, your business. We'll be right back. And with those details, you've been listening to Abolition Radio.
0: We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking.
2: Welcome back to Abolition Radio, and I just want to thank you, Savannah, for um, being such an an inspiration with the way of um, enlightening us how to reach our children, you know, those at home and those around us on this subject of trafficking and, and demand and and toxic masculinity and things of that nature. Thank you so much for your time today.
3: Absolutely, I really appreciate you guys having me on. The more we can talk about this, um, and the more we can empower parents to really um, be able to protect their ways, their children in ways that are helpful and not hurtful, is is really important.
2: Most definitely, most definitely. So, how can the listening audience get a hold of you or, or contact you? Um, so, there's a
3: couple. There's a couple of ways that people can get a hold of me. Um, one, um, my book is on sale on Amazon, and it's called "Sex Trafficking Prevention: A Trauma-Informed Approach for Parents and Professionals," and I really go. Um, you know, I use my own personal history as a case study in that book, um, but also my social work perspective. So it's not triggering. It does have pieces of my story in it, but it's really tangible ways for adults um, that have children in their lives to be able to be a safe person. I uh, about the first time that I disclosed abuse and how the people in my family responded what was positive about the way they responded what was harmful and you know how we can do better uh, when a child discloses and a lot of other tangible things that people can do uh to prevent not just trafficking but a lot of different things and then my website is sextraffickingprevention.org. and you know I'm a trainer and a speaker and a consultant and I do one-on-one coaching with families and advocates uh, to provide education online and over the phone and in person and in a lot of different ways.
2: Great. So you've heard it. Um, how to you may be able to reach Savannah at um, the website there. Repeat that website again, Savannah. It's
3: sextraffickingprevention.org.
2: sextraffickingprevention.org. sex-trafficking-prevention.org.
3: Mm-hmm. And my email is SavannahJSanders at gmail.com.
2: Cool. And we will um, put that link up on our Facebook, Abolition Radio Facebook page as well, That um, to remind you if you forgot or are driving down the freeway and you don't have a pin, But, you know, Love Never Fails always has events, and a couple of events that I wanted to mention uh, that are coming up, On um, this Thursday, we will be having our monthly uh, Love Never Fails orientation, volunteer orientation. And that is at 7 at our Hayward office at 22580 Grand Street in Hayward. So come on out and um, find out where you might want to get plugged in. Um, On next Saturday, the 15th of July, we will be having... Our um, uh, regular monthly street outreach, and that this month will be in the East Bay. Come on out and and join us there. If you're a first timer, come out for training at seven, and that is at five seven seven Manor Boulevard. We'll meet at Faith Fellowship Church there in San Leandro. And you know that we are a praying people here at Love Never Fails, and. Our prayer lead, Chantel, has come up with a call to prayer and community prayer circles in communities all around the Bay, and those are held on the first Sundays. So the first Sunday in August, you can, right wherever you are, you don't have to contact us or anything, pull your prayer circle together at 6, and we can all collectively, jointly, at 6, wherever we are, pray together about this issue To help fight and stop trafficking, please know that you are
0: loved. Thanks for joining us this week on Abolition Radio. We trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and survival, and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at abolitionradio.org, by liking and sharing our page on Facebook, Facebook slash Abolition Radio, or by making a contribution directly to Love Never Fails. Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries and with major support from the staff and membership and donors at Faith Fellowship Church. Our theme song Courage to Believe is by Justin McRoberts. Hear more about his passion for justice and art at JustinMcRoberts.com And this is Dave Naderhood. On behalf of Vanessa, Benita, and the whole team at Love Never Fails, thanks for listening, and thanks even more for taking action to help set captives free.
1: You're neighborhoods we live in, you're in the ones we're passing by, you're in the ones we call our neighbors, and the ones who still see our eyes.